This is Jeremy Bassetti, and you're listening to Travel Writing World, a podcast featuring interviews with travel writers about their work and about the business and craft of travel writing. You can find the episode show notes, free travel writing resources, and much more at travelwritingworld.com. Hello, everyone, and this is episode 100, the big one zero zero of the Travel Writing World podcast. Joining me today is Joanna Penn, and we're talking about her new book, Pilgrimage. Joanna is an author of many fiction and nonfiction books, and she's the host of several podcasts, including the Creative Pen podcast for writers and the Books and Travel podcast. She is well known in the indie publishing community, and I turn to her and her podcast for keeping tabs on it. In addition to talking about her new book, Pilgrimage, we also talk about voice in writing and creative work, pilgrimage from a secular perspective, the restorative properties of walking and pilgrimage, independently publishing a travel book using crowdfunding sites like Kickstarter, and much more. If you want to check out and support her Kickstarter, visit jfpen.com forward slash pilgrimage, and that's pen with two N's. As always, I'll put all of the links that we discuss in today's episode in the show notes at TravelWritingWorld.com. Anyway, please consider supporting the show with only a few dollars a month at TravelWritingWorld.com forward slash support. If you can't support financially, you can support us at no cost to you by sharing our episodes with your network or by leaving a positive review on the Apple Podcasts app or whichever podcasting app you use. Lastly, for a curated roundup of place, travel, and nature writing news, please sign up for Genius Loci, my free monthly email newsletter at jeremybassetti.com, and that's with two S's and two T's. A new roundup goes out on the first of the month. So now, here is Joanna Penn. Welcome to the show, Joanna. Oh, thanks for having me, Jeremy. So you've written a new book called Pilgrimage that you're crowdfunding on Kickstarter starting January 23rd, 2023. So the day that this goes out, your Kickstarter will be live and we'll include links in the show notes and, and all that stuff. And I want to talk to you about the book. But before we do that, I was wondering if you can just give us a sense of like who you are and, you know, what are the many hats that you wear in your, your creative practice? Yeah, sure. So I'm Joe Francis Penn, and I say that because I have different names. <laughs> I write thrillers, dark fantasy, and crime as J.F. Penn, and self-help for writers as Joanna Penn. And now I have this travel memoir uh, with Pilgrimage, which I've put under J.F. Penn. And I also have two podcasts, Books and Travel, which is similar to this show, and also The Creative Pen for Writers, which you've been on to talk about mm -hmm. travel writing. So yeah, I guess author podcaster is is how I, I see myself. Good. Yeah. You're, you're one of the, the few indie publishing voices that I listen to. I've been listening to your podcast, The Creative Pen, for many years, and it's been you know inspirational and, and very helpful um, in, in so many ways. And then um, I was thinking about starting this podcast, Travel Writing World, back in 2019, I think. And I saw you were starting books of travel. And I must say that I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I was feeling a little bit of like these weird sensations of jealousy or, or whatever. But, you know, we've we started at the same time and um, I, I think there's enough room for for both of our voices in the podcasting space um, to to have two you know kind of interesting and distinct 
shows around the lines of travel and writing and books and all that good stuff. Yeah. And of, of course, the really important thing with podcasting yeah, and books is your voice and your author voice or your speaking voice and mm -hmm. your angle on the world. And I mean, you and I met that year in 2019 at a podcast movement right, right. Uh, in Florida. And I think we are, you know, we share a lot of common thoughts, I guess, but we're very different people, you know, <laughs> aside from the fact that I'm a British woman uh, over here. And um, and I think this is really important. So even if like listeners wanting to write a book where you think, oh, someone's written this kind of travel memoir before, or as I was thinking as I was writing Pilgrimage, oh, people have written about the Camino de Santiago forever. Right, <laughs> so, right. but it's our voice that makes things different and the angle we take. So I'm certainly a believer that there, everyone should write a book and everyone could start a podcast. It's, you know, a lot of work both ways, obviously. But yes, it's always about your voice. And um, yeah, I really enjoy talking to you about these topics. Yeah, great. So you you were, were talking about pilgrimage and your voice and and um, let's let's get to the, I guess, the nuts and bolts of this book first, if you don't mind. Um, the, the book is called Pilgrimage. The subtitle is Lessons Learned from Solo Walking Three Ancient Ways. So just to to get this out of the way, like, can you tell us what are the three pilgrimage routes that you took during your your walking adventures? Yeah, sure. So uh, I did the Pilgrim's Way first, which is from Southwark in London to Canterbury uh, in the southeast of, of England. And that's the route of the Canterbury Tales, which I'm sure people have heard mm -hmm. of, um, sort of medieval tale by Geoffrey Chaucer. And it was about visiting the shrine of Thomas Becket, who was martyred uh, under Henry II. And uh, it was the pandemic. And it was also the 850 year anniversary of the Becket martyrdom. So that kind of helped me decide to do that one. I, I couldn't go and do the Camino during the pandemic because, of course, we couldn't travel. And also, uh, I'd highly recommend it as an easy route for a first multi-day solo. Uh, and then the second one was the St Cuthbert's Way from Melrose in Scotland to Lindisfarne, Holy Island on the northeast coast of England. And St Cuthbert was a medieval monk and a bishop. And uh, I wrote about uh, Lindisfarne in my thriller Day of the Vikings. So I, I really wanted to to, to do that. And that was a spectacular route. I highly recommend the Cuthbert's Way. Uh, and then finally was the Camino de Santiago, a, a goal I've had for several decades. And I did the Portuguese coastal route from Portugal, uh, Porto in Portugal, up to Santiago de Compostela. And I feel like the Camino is quite mythical for mm -hmm, many mm -hmm. people, and certainly for me. And when I, I had COVID, um, uh, the year before 2021 and I was really sick and I realised that maybe one day I would not be able to walk. Uh, obviously, at some point, none of us will be able to right, walk. Right. Uh, we will be dead. Uh, and I thought, well, if I don't do this now, maybe I'll never do it. And I have said I would. I wanted to do it for many years and now I've got to do it. So I committed um, and I'm, I'm so glad I, I did that route finally. And it, it really enabled me to finish the book, which I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about later. But um, yes, those were the three. Yeah. So, I mean, these three pilgrimage routes uh, that you mentioned here that you went on um, all have religious connotations, right? Um, and, but you mentioned in, in, in the book um, that you are irreligious or kind of more secular minded. So like how, how have you come to understand, you know, the act of pilgrimage from this secular position or perspective? Mm. Well, I think 
that I am not a Christian, although I have a chapter in the book about my faith history. <laughs> Many of us have this faith history by midlife, you know, experience of and then finding God and losing him again or whatever that means to the individual. But I'm certainly spiritual. I consider myself spiritual. And I mean, you talk about genius loci or loci, as we say over here, mm -hmm. uh, but sort of the spirit of the, the place. And I absolutely have had moments of connection with whatever we want to call it, the universe or, or God, if you if you want, uh, in different places and certainly did on these routes too. But I, so while I am secular, as in I don't adhere to a particular religion, I absolutely respect people of faith. I, I have a master's degree in theology. Pretty much all my fiction is based on religion. And uh, I'm also, I love religious places. So what is wonderful about these pilgrimage routes is, um, and of course, in the subtitle, these ancient ways is that people have walked these particular routes in Europe for a, for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that's what gives the routes a lot of resonance. It also means they're packed full of amazing churches and cathedrals and beautiful architecture. And I love architecture. I'm a super, super fan of architecture. But um, so I guess it's a kind of, for me, the, the pilgrimage aspect is both the the walk the walking from here to here, the historical side of it, the beautiful places along the way, and also yes, the the spiritual side is important, and it, it kind of has that uh, aspect. You you have a a blog post actually on travel book subgenres, mm -hmm. and I was having a look at that again, and you talk about this journey, uh, the journey subgenre, which is this inner spiritual or emotional. Um, self-discovery. And that's kind of how I felt. It, it had uh, The pilgrimage has aspects of the spiritual and the emotional. It's not just get from A to B. Right. So yeah, I, th I think that, and also I feel that people listening, like, well, probably the people listening to this have some interest image. Uh, possibly they read the book by Paolo Coelho years ago, right. <laughs> back in the 90s. And yeah, so I feel like you're drawn to it, even if you're not necessarily religious. Like like yourself, are you interested in, in pilgrimage? Yeah, um, I, I am from the outside perspective. You know, we talk about pilgrimage. You mentioned pilgrimage as having kind of this inner, this emotional component. Um, and I'm interested in it from kind of the outside perspective, like as an outside observer to 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 see what the process is like for other people. It's not something that really draws me in in that sense, if 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 that makes any sense. Mm. But what also kind of interests me is 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 this inner, this emotional component to the pilgrimage, but also this kind of physical, this very difficult physical component to pilgrimage. You know, these are miles and miles and kilometers and kilometers that people walk over, sometimes over, difficult, rough, strenuous, uh, terrain. So it's, 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 you know, the, these nice routes where the emotional toil matches in some way, the, the physical toil. Yes. And I feel like you don't feel a need to go on pilgrimage unless you are suffering from something. Yeah. And that's how it has always been. And, um, so I was, you know, obviously we were in the pandemic <laughs> and we were all suffering in that way. And I really needed to get out the house. Like that was the first impetus was I have to get out. I cannot deal with this lockdown, locked in, you know, tiny world that we live in. And I, I think, you know, you, you understand this. When we love travel, when we love being elsewhere, <laughs> the need is sometimes very great. So there is there is that sort of necessity to get out. But then also I was having a lot of, you know, midlife 
issues yeah. and I was struggling with some mental health issues. And I, I feel like being out in nature is its own form of healing. So even if you just go for a walk at lunchtime somewhere green, you're going to get some kind of healing. But the sense of these ancient places that and the insignificance that I feel when I'm you know, ne- next to this ancient fossilized forest or walking over the tidal sands to Lindisfarne is just a moment out of time. And when you feel that sense, it's very, again, very healing. And there, there are just so many aspects of long distance walking that takes it into this meditative mm-hmm. state where your body's doing something and you know what your body's got to do. Your body has got to get up and walk. <laughs> and then your mind is almost more free to wander. Uh, and in fact, the St. Cuthbert, uh, this me- medieval um, monk, he was sort of famous for wandering around the northeast of England and um, talking to people, but also living on his own on on this tiny island. And that need for solitude, uh, I, di- I was solo walking and I know not everybody wants to solo walk, but there was something very healing in that as well. So yeah, I don't think you want, you feel the need to go on pilgrimage unless you need some, some form of healing perhaps. <laughs> yeah. When I was in, in, in Bolivia in a old uh, a city called Kiyokoyo and in the city, there's kind of a hill um, that legend has it, uh, a, a young shepherd uh, girl. And it always seems to be young shepherd girls um, that see apparitions of uh, Mary. But yeah, one in, in Bolivia saw an apparition of Mary. And thereafter, this little hill on the south side of the city has been kind of a pilgrimage destination for the faithful, you know, since since then. And recently I was there observing, um, but I, I noticed the component of pilgrimage that people go there as you as you mentioned, when they have some difficulty in their life, like the, the pilgrimage is is a form or an act of healing to to recover or a form of hope to recover from some sort of suffering or turmoil. Mm. You know, it's there's there's that healing uh, aspect to it. You, you know, maybe someone wants just to go on a hike. You know, they go on a hike, but it seems like the people that are dealing with some sort of in, internal turmoil are the ones that are poised to gain more from the experience of pilgrimage, if that makes any sense. Do you agree or do you think that's just something that I'm pulling out of the thin air? Oh, no, that that's exactly right. And I, I feel like that's when I was able to write the book was after I had been through the journey of transformation. And what was funny is when I did the pilgrim's way, you know, uh, I thought, oh, doing a pilgrimage will change my life. (laughs) (laughs) I will do this walk and then everything will be better. And it wasn't. And so I did another pilgrimage and again, it it wasn't better. And then I did the Camino and then I realised what my kind of personal arc was in terms of transformation and healing. And it's like the, the gifts of pilgrimage. You you go seeking, and I say this that you know the book is are you a seeker? Um, you know that the gifts might take a while to arrive, and if the gifts haven't arrived, maybe you haven't walked far enough <laughs> right. yet. Right. <laughs> so so maybe go do another pilgrimage, and and of course you know you could just say oh well it's just a, a mental health aspect of being alone with your thoughts and doing physical exercise for weeks on end. Of course that's going to help you. And look if that's all it is to people, if if it is a long walk that that heals you, then bring brilliant. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I do I do feel like, as you said, it, there is an aspect of needing healing. And look, let's face it, most of us need some kind of healing in our lives 
about something. So yeah, I mean, also, if you do feel that urge to go, people listening, or whatever it is, you know, like you, you recently had a sabbatical, and you felt the urge to go to the Andes, for example, mm. like, why choose that rather than go somewhere else and do something else? It's because you felt a calling to that particular right. trip. And sometimes we just have to lean into that feeling of, I need to go do this. So go do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because I was going to ask you about, you know, the the gift of the pilgrimage and, and you know, and the kind of the magic of the place that we're sensing. You reference like the, you know, these walks are, you know, beautiful landscapes, but there's culture there. There's churches or there are cathedrals, you know, there's, you know, people you walk through cities. So it's not just, you know, you're in, in, in wilderness. But the question I was going to ask you was about whether the magic of the landscape and, and the, the, the magic of the sensation and, you know, the gift of the pilgrimage is something that presents itself while you're in the midst of, of a pilgrimage, or if it's something that often comes much later with hindsight and perspective. Yeah, it absolutely comes with hindsight. And I do feel that Paolo Coelho has something to answer for here because he kind of suggests that you get it while you're on the walk. Right. And I mean, maybe it happens with someone, you know, that kind of moment on the hill and the sunrise and God speaks to you. But I just I just don't think that's the reality for most pilgrims. Certainly when I walked the Camino, it was hot. Um, you know, every day you get up, you get really dirty. You, I had terrible blisters. Uh, you know, in a lot of places, the route of the Camino is not particularly pretty. And you're like, why am I doing this? Right. <laughs> and uh, on the Cuthbert's Way, for example, the storms, the weather was appalling. Uh, and I was cold and it was there was a lot of misery going on during the walks. And so I feel like the actual mm. walk itself, there is a huge dominance of your physical body. And like you and I, we we love reading. Obviously, people listening, we love reading. We're often in our heads. And to go from just being in your head to being a body walking across the face of the earth. So for me, most days were more about painkillers, food, shelter from the rain and the sun and um, various physical related issues. And then I'd write my journals later um, in the evening or often in the morning. I sort of wake up really early, write them in the morning. And it was only once I came home that I could really reflect on what the hell happened during that time. And even like reading my journals now, I look at them and go, goodness me, what was going on there? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like a lot of our lessons are hard to see in the moment and then we find them later. Right. I was talking to my my boss just yesterday and he's like, so how was your sabbatical? How was the Andes? And I was like, man, I got altitude sickness. So, you know, I got banged up, twisted my knee and it was miserable. And man, I wish I could be back there right now. You know, it was, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly right. It's so funny you say that because I remember a moment, it was the last day of the Pilgrim's Way walking into Canterbury. And again, the weather was awful. The storm was awful. I'd almost just slipped over in the mud and I was like, again, I wish this was over. And then I caught myself and I actually wrote in my journal later, do not wish it is over because once it's over, you will want to be back out there again. And and that's part of why we travel, isn't it? I mean, we sometimes it's like, oh, I'm so glad I'm I'm home, the comforts of home. And then within a short amount of time, it's right, I need to plan my next trip. <laughs> right. The, the, the leg starts to, to twitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey everyone, just a quick interlude here to say that if you're working on a project about place, travel, or nature, and you're looking for a supportive community to bounce ideas off of or for accountability or motivation, join our Discord community. It's free. 
Join at travelwritingworld.com forward slash discord, D-I-S-C-O-R-D. Now back to the interview. So, so you'd mentioned your, your journal and um, leaning into your journal and writing this book. And um, so it has kind of this memoir or travelogue component to it. Um, it has an account of your, your pilgrimages. And, but it's also kind of like a guidebook, if, if I may, for kind of the idea of going out and going on a pilgrimage itself. So um, it does many things, this book. But I was wondering, like, how would, how would you describe the book? Oh, well, you know how difficult this is, mm-hmm. is trying to figure out what it was. And originally, I thought I would write travel guides to the roots. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I thought I would just have three travelogue type books. And you and I have talked about this this before. Uh, and then I thought I'd have travel memoir about all the travels of my life. And then I realised after I finished the Camino that I did have a personal arc, a character arc. And this is memoir, I think, is defined by some kind of transformational arc in the person. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can go on a trip, like your photography trip to Bolivia, for example, that doesn't have to change your life or the direction of your life. <laughs> it can just be a trip and taking photos and whatever. And so I feel like the... In terms of how I would describe it, what I'm saying is it's kind of, it is about travel memoir. So it is a personal, emotional, spiritual transformation, but it's also a self-help guide for people who want to do solo walking. And if I, I put in the appendices some very, very practical things, including accommodation and um, stuff like that. So um, I, I feel like it can do both, but of course that makes it very difficult in terms of a particular genre. But yeah, I, I guess it, it falls through the gaps of so many subgenres. But I hope it's both useful to people who consider the idea of pilgrimage, but also those who practically want help. Mm-hmm. You, you'd mentioned that you originally set out to write travel guides and, and, and also like a memoir. But So I was wondering if like the, the evolution of the idea of the book, did that happen as you were writing it or did that happen in kind of like in the earlier stages you know when you're trying to figure out what it is exactly you were Mm. going to write yeah it really happened right at the end there once I came back from the Camino I mean I had over a hundred thousand words in a Scrivener project and you know like yourself I've read very many travel books over decades. And so I had so many quotes, a lot of quotes, and I had a lot of musings and I just didn't know what the book was going to be until I returned from the Camino and I realised that I had discovered home, for example, which mm. is something I really hadn't felt before, um, which is quite weird. And But I think many travellers feel this, like, where is my home? And I, I did kind of discover that. I also, as I mentioned, had the sort of midlife realisations around things. And so, yeah, I didn't, I had so much material for this. And this is the problem with writing, of course, you can end up with so much material. But when I read it, so much was repetitive. And this is a danger of the travel log, I think. I mean, if you're walking pilgrimage routes or any multi-day walking, every day is the same. <laughs> so that's what I ended up just doing one small chapter on the pilgrim's day. But it, it's very simple life. Right. But the bigger question is, what is the transformation? So yeah, I really didn't know until until the end. And in fact, even my cover, uh, I've got a, a blog post on this, the cover I, my audience thought they wanted this particular cover, sort of commercial travel guide cover with blue skies and sun. And I ended up 
choosing one of my own pictures from the St Cuthbert's Way, which is one of my photos of a hill to climb and stormy skies, which is far more of what pilgrimage is to me. And I think most people, it's it's more truthful. Um, so yeah, pilgrimage is a challenge and writing a book about it is certainly a challenge. Yeah, yeah. When, when I, I don't know if it's the same for you, but when I sit down to write, you know, I have an idea in mind of what I want to write about. Um, but as I begin writing, you know, the book evolves and, and becomes its own thing. You know, it grows into the book that it wants to be. And so as much as I think people romanticize this idea of like the planned or the calculated idea and the calculated book, I'm, I'm like suspicious that that's, a, that's really true in, in, in many cases. So was that like, was, was this the case for you? Did, did the book kind of grow into the book that it wanted to be as you were writing it? Or, or did you like, when you were done with the Camino, you're like, okay, now I have a clear vision and I'm going to jump on it. Yeah, so I think this is the difference between sort of plotters and planners and mm -hmm. discovery writers. And I think you're more a discovery writer like me, which is I have this idea, I'm going to move towards it, and then it, it will take its windy route <laughs> and you can't you can't force it. And I guess similar to our travels, you know, deciding where to go, sometimes things just come up, they they resurface as yes, I need to do this trip now. And yeah, so absolutely I, I feel like the process. I don't know if I'll ever write another travel book like this. Maybe I won't. I mean, I I do put a sort of place, well, all my fiction is based on my travels. So I have an outlet for my travel writing as such, that sense of place and setting and all of that kind of thing. And I don't think I could recreate or want to recreate this, as in I may well walk other pilgrimages, but I'm not going to write another book of more lessons learned on pilgrimages or anything like that, you know. So this mm -hmm. is this is a weird book. It doesn't fit anywhere. And yet it's a book of my heart. It's a book that my soul needed to write, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As is the case, as is the case often with, with books. Um, I'm getting threatened that we don't have that much time left. Um, so I wanted to, to ask you a few questions about your, your book's Kickstarter campaign. Um, so this episode will be published on the day that your campaign goes live, January 23, 2023. Um, but can you give us like more details about um, your campaign? Like what, what is, what's going on and what, what are you offering? Why Kickstarter? When does it end? All that good stuff. Mm. So if people don't know, Kickstarter is a crowdfunding mm -hmm. platform and the the sort of the benefit for backers is that you get these special books, special games, special projects that creators do. And the creator gets 95% of the money raised and they also get it within two weeks after the campaign finishes. So you get an amazing project, they get paid better. And um, this, this, is, this is a good way to do business uh, for those of us who write, especially these difficult books that, that would get drowned out on a big online store or even in a in a bookshop. So I'm doing my first ever special edition hardback with, with silver foil and colour interior pages, which, you know, I think is really interesting for for us, you know, who've generally done sort of just print on demand copies with no colour and all of this. Um, and I'm doing other editions, obviously ebook, audio book narrated by me, um, paperback, large print and a workbook as well. Well, um, so I'm doing a new genre, new format, new mm. way of publishing. Um, but yes, yeah, so Pilgrimage will be out on all the usual stores after May 
2023. So if people are listening in the future, <laughs> it will be elsewhere. And um, you can find it at jfpen.com forward slash pilgrimage uh, if you are listening ever and it will redirect in the future. Mm-hmm. For, for listeners, you do a lot of fiction writing um, and you do nonfiction as well, but uh, you do a lot of thriller books that are um, set in different places around the world. Um, and your campaign mentions um, developing an online course called Writing, Setting, and Sense of Place. And, you know, this is, I think, a skill that, you know, crosses genres. No, it, it goes into nonfiction, it goes into fiction. Um, so I was wondering if you can give us a little, I guess, a little taste of the course. What do you expect uh, the course to have? Do you have any, like a tip, a top tip that you can give us that um, that'll help us capture a sense of place better in our writing? Mm. Yeah, well, this is, it's such an important topic. Of course, as you said, every genre of fiction needs setting. Story happens in a setting. And then, of course, travel writing is massively about writing setting. And probably my top tip is sensory detail. So those five senses, I mean, I'm very good on sight, but, you know, writing descriptions of things that I can see, but I'm not so good on smell, for example, or hearing. So making sure that you've got obviously, you know, touch and taste would be the other ones. Um, But then also the senses that might be more than that. So I talk in my books and I know you, again, you understand this a sense of place that's not an official sense but this idea of where the veil is thin and you can feel more than the physical world I think some people have that and I certainly feel that too so the idea of the course is that it will help people write better settings and sense of place and I, but I haven't made it yet it's one of the things yeah. on my Kickstarter that I haven't actually made <laughs> so it's it's on it's on the way yeah I'm gonna back it so I can get that course <laughs> oh so, thank you yeah so um yeah we're, we're we're running very short on time. So uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Can you let us know where we can find uh, find out more about you and your work and everything that you do? Yeah, sure. So I have my books and travel podcast that mm-hmm. might interest people here. The Kickstarter is at jfpen.com forward slash pilgrimage. And I also have a podcast for writers, The Creative Pen with a double N. So uh, that's uh, that's probably the best places. Great. Well, thank you so much, Joanna. It was a pleasure talking to you. Oh, thanks for having me, Jeremy. You can find the episode show notes and much more at travelwritingworld.com. Please remember to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. And if you find the show valuable, please consider leaving a review or supporting the show with only a few dollars a month at travelwritingworld.com support.